Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Don't lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. Uh, that's when my man Patrick the Idillionaire takes jams from local bands and artists, uh, very talented human beings, that you have a chance to see live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Del Castillo, and they're playing Saturday down at Buck's Backyard. Uh, I know exactly where Buck's Backyard is. Been up there plenty of times. We did a horn bash there several did years ago. Damn right we did. Lost, Had a good time, too. Lost some trailers. <laughs> that was a very memorable day, uh, memorable occasion for a lot of reasons, and yes, that was one of them. Yes. Uh, had, got, had a lot of fun, though. Lost the trailer that we may or may not have thought somebody was in. Mm, yeah. Didn't see it. They parked it, I believe, in the creek. They parked it near the creek. Near it the rained. Creek. The creek grew. Yes. And it took some things with it. Creeks have a tendency to do that when it rains. Yes. <laughs> so that's all right. You know what? We had a great time and nobody was hurt. I believe nobody was in the trailer. No, we fine. were good. We were good. Nobody was hurt. There you go. No. That's all that matters. Nobody was seriously hurt. And uh, to this day, Horn Bash, it was a great occasion. Uh, maybe that'll come back one day. Uh, 512-337-3776. That is the number to the Specs text line. You also can use the Twitterverse as well. Uh, I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. Yes, I know people are hitting us up about the photo that we will get. To. We'll, we'll talk Texas football in the top of the 5 o'clock or Texas sports. And then we'll get to... The, the apparently the photo that is going viral among Longhorn fans is is a shirtless photo of the quarterback some, room. Some yeah, some some men that in the quarterback room, all of them, and they're shirtless flexing. That's I think that's the gist of it. Yes. So we'll talk about why that matters. Why you should care. Well, why 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 people think it matters? <laughs> yeah, like I said, we'll talk about why that matters. People are people are. We got two texts about it. Different yeah. texts about hey, you guys yeah. seen the photos? Like, have we seen the photo? I'm like, oh, who got a somebody leaked leaked a nude photo or something? Like, no, it's just some shirtless guys out there. There you go. There's some shirts of college students. <laughs> shirtless dudes. We'll talk about why. Remember, there was a report, and part of it was because remember, Andrew Richardson had it that a lot of the players are remarking about how yoked. Quinn is like he's yeah. he's yoked. He got a six pack and everything, swole up now, a little cut up now. You know what I mean? Doesn't have like the flabby, you know, love handles and everything. Everything's a little bit more cut. And I think we discussed on the show that that's all great, but if you have the chance to do ab workouts or go work on footwork drills, yeah. Do the pick the footwork, footwork and just choose to be a little flabby with great footwork <laughs> rather than be cut up and chiseled with some sub suspect subpar footwork. So yeah. I think that's why a lot of quarterbacks they're not all cut up and swole because it's like nah you gotta you gotta choose what to do with your time. Sometimes you ain't got enough time in the day and you gotta choose like man should I do these abs or should I go do these footwork drills? Should I go work on my accuracy or should I do some ab roller workout stuff? I'm like nah, to hell with your abs, man. Go do the footwork drills. You're a quarterback. <laughs> Go work on your accuracy. Uh, I'm just joking. You should. You can do both. Best of both worlds. Get the abs and also get the accuracy and the footwork together. So we'll talk about that when we talk Texas football. Let's talk NBA because uh, the NBA free agency frenzy. We're on the eve of it. We're less than an hour away. And soon as the uh, the soon as the actual deadline hits, when it starts officially, um, there will be a, a frenzy of action. There'll be a lot of different news drops, so we'll keep you abreast of everything going on when it actually does drop. But right now, there are a lot of stories that are kind of percolating, simmering, uh, getting ready to pop off right before the NBA free agency period. And one of them is about Kyrie Irving. So 
Kyrie Irving, the, the report came out yesterday, and um, we, I, I, I expected this to be what we were talking about today because I, I thought it was a very strange story, and I sent it to Patrick that he was going to visit the Suns. And even ain't the headline, actually, in the story says, Kyrie Irving reportedly to meet with Suns when free agency opens. Why? <laughs> What's the question? Um, well, and- the, well, the issue is, for everybody else, it's not that they don't want him and that he wouldn't want to go there. The problem is they have no money. Yeah, they, their, their salary cap. Basically, they have six players basically on salary they, they right got now. The four, the four top highest paid guys, I think, are equal to some crazy like hundred and sixty something million dollars. Yeah. So you're not. They don't basically have the leverage that if if Kyrie really wanted to go there right now, he would have to take a minimum contract, or you'd have to work out some sort of sign and trade. There's different rules on sign and trade in the CBA, so it becomes more difficult to do mm-hmm. uh, to make salaries match to make everything work. So it's not as easy as just, well, it'll be a sign and trade either. Uh, so, yeah, basically for him to actually go to Phoenix would require basically two, one of two things to happen. One, he signs for a minimum. Which two, they do. try to find a way in a deal where DeAndre Ayton ends up on the maps. Mm-hmm. And we know DeAndre Ayton, they've already asked. So it seems like a relative thing that they could ask for. I don't think the, the Mavs would want to do that. I think turning... Uh, what they've done and and trying to turn players over. I don't know if you end up with DeAndre Ayton in that. It really ends up the way you wanted it to, mm-hmm. and with the contract he's making. So I, I, I don't think this is anything. But then there's other teams that he's been listed on with right now too. Yeah, that's why like I said I thought that would be strange news to discuss because I mean, why would he be going there when they really can't afford him unless he's like Patrick said thinking about taking a huge pay cut. Which- and and I also mentioned this is also a courtesy to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant and him are friends. Kevin Durant wants him to come at least have a meeting where they can discuss things. He is doing that also. It is somewhat also a courtesy to Kevin Durant, I believe. Yeah, that's a good point, too, uh, that they're, they're they're good friends. They're friends. And if he says, yeah. hey, come do this meeting, he goes, of course I'll do a meeting. Why not? It's a meeting. Yeah. Okay, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? It's a meeting. We can just talk about things. Um, yeah, so now it's being reported. Uh, sources tell CBS, well, this is from um, Bill Ryder. NBA insider for CBS Sports. He is saying via his tweet, Simba Man CB, shout out to CB, that on top of the Dallas and Phoenix, you know, obviously Dallas is very much interested in bringing back Kyrie Irving, um, that Kyrie Irving will meet today with Miami, Houston, the Lakers, and the Clippers. And uh, meetings will be in LA and in a few cases, remote. I mean, I guess he'll do a Zoom call or something like FaceTime, whatever it is. So now, yeah, the Lakers, the Clippers, H-Town, the Rockets, the Miami Heat into the mix as well. This actually does track. uh, There was a Woj report. Um, Do we have this audio, Patrick? Yes. uh, A Woj. I think it's from yesterday, actually. Um, And now it makes perfect sense. So, you know, Woj is plugged in. He was, you know, I'll just let Wolves tell you about it. Here's his report on Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Scott, Kyrie Irving is trying to create a market out there, and it may just not be there for him. Uh, Certainly Dallas, I think, is going to try to show some restraint, some discipline in what they're willing to offer Kyrie Irving uh, with an extension, a new deal in Dallas. It's going to be more than anybody else can offer him. and I think he's going to try to spend some time here uh, trying to, again, manufacture a marketplace of salary cap space uh, and teams that uh, might actually scare Dallas uh, into thinking they have to up their offer. I'm not sure that's happening. That, that'll that be an interesting process as it plays out. I still think Kyrie Irving inevitably will return back to Dallas uh, on a deal there to play with Luka Doncic. All right, Woj says good news for the Mavs. They're still likely to get him, but it does track that he said he was trying to create a market, conjure up a market. So, And there's parts of this, too. The Mavs mm-hmm. would like to pay him a certain amount that is less than the max because the that will give them room to have the full mid-level exception available, mm-hmm. which will then allow them to try and pick up some other pieces, whether it be trying to go after a Bruce Brown and give him a full mid-level or split up the mid-level exception and give it to a couple of uh, guys to kind of bolster your roster a little bit, maybe get some other defenders in there, yeah. something of that aspect. So I get I get why they're doing this, but it, this falls into the category for, for Kyrie where I 
as much as I'd like to tell you I know what he's going to do, we don't know because we, don't this know. man has <laughs> has given up money multiple times in his career to do whatever he wants to do. Mm. So we can look at it now as either he's realized he has lost out on hundred, like at least $100 million probably in his career at this point by not signing extensions, not doing those things. So he can come recoup some of that by signing a lesser deal with the Mavs and getting it. Or he can say, burn it to the ground. Money's not that important mm-hmm. to me anyway. I have enough. I, I'm just doing my own thing, and I'll make money elsewhere, and I'll be I'll be a uh, social prophet after I get yep. it done with basketball, and I'll make money forever. And so I'm not worried about that. I want to go do the, where I want to be. And he could take the minimum and go play in Phoenix. He could take less money and go to Miami. And we all know he could walk into the, the office in, in Dallas uh, today, tonight, Mm-hmm. And say, uh, I feel very disrespected with your offer, and I need to get a max contract. You need to trade me away to this team right here. These are the players you're going to trade for, and if you do this, or I will make your life a living hell. And those are your two options. And he can do it. And now the odds of a team wanting to pay him a max contract in a trade is pretty much nil because if you're demanding another trade, it's not going to happen. Uh, I think the Lakers are interesting. That is a team, again, he's friends with LeBron. So that's a team that cleared up a little bit of cap space yesterday. Now we all know we all think it is to keep Austin Reeves and keep Rui Achimura. But mm. but the, wow. LeBron may make a phone call. It'd be really and if LeBron says, Well, you have to go sign him and I you know, I know I said I liked Austin Reeves and Rui Achimura, and they're the only reason we were competing last year, but I don't care. Give me Kyrie and we'll put we'll go find other guys. That that may be. They may try and give him, and it's less money than the maps mm. can offer by a large amount. Probably ten to fifteen million, but it's free agency, man. But he may say again, "I've given up money before. I don't mind giving it up now. I want to go where I want to play, and I appreciate the Mavs doing it. But I don't feel that I'm going to be competitive there." He's a wild card. There ain't no doubt about it. I totally agree with you. He's and yeah, now that he's got these other teams reportedly interested, or at least that he's going to meet with, yeah, I imagine it ups the ante for the Mavs a little bit. It's probably just a Pure leverage play. No, one hundred percent. He needs to go and get the, the price up because as of right now, there's a lot of these guys, and with the new CBA, and we're also at a point where a lot of these teams have signed bad contracts again. And we had this several years ago when they had to give the the amnesty mm-hmm. to basically give every team a do over and get rid of a bad contract because these guys will just sign mid mid range guys that they think all of a sudden like. And I like Davis Bertans, but it's insane the money that he got. And so you're like, all these teams are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with bad contracts, and they're just trying to figure out a way around it now. I don't know if there's a huge market. A lot of teams were not building up for this offseason because they knew it was not going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. The contracts don't line up that way, so a lot of teams kind of built their offseason around next year and the year after. I, I just It doesn't seem like there's a huge market for that guy, and it doesn't seem like there's a huge market for James Harden. Uh, no, and not the one that he expected anyway, because he seems a little upset. The athletic Sam Amick, um, he pointed out basically that James Harden was extremely upset, are the, the words that he used to describe uh, how James Harden feels about the Sixers' handling of the, the situation, the his basically his offseason situation, his potential free agency. Um, and he's made his dissatisfaction clear to the organization. Um, so his everybody was surprised the decision. Remember yesterday, um, Adrian Wojnarowski pointed out that the decision to pursue a trade this offseason um, was basically now related to his thoughts about how they handled his offseason and free agency. Well, and this is one with Harden where it was when they traded for him, they get him in, and then he takes a team-friendly deal that's a one-year with an option and takes less money. And now, granted, there may have not been the huge market last year either, but he he took a pay cut, whether it was m- m- less money than he could have gotten anywhere else is debatable, but it's a pay cut. And he takes that to, to stay in Philadelphia and help out his buddy Daryl Morey, fully on the wink-wink, nudge-nudge, we're going to get you, we'll get you next year. And then next year comes, and they say, well, you know, we don't really have the money right now, but maybe if you take another pay cut, we'll we'll give you something. And he's like, what? Like, I did everything you asked me to do, and now you're coming back, and you don't you don't even necessarily want me to opt in. You would rather me, re, you know, go and test free agency. 
And that was basically where they were at was Daryl Morey was like, no, go find an offer better. We'll match it. But go find the better offer because we don't know what it is. Set but we're market. guessing it's mid-level exception. Uh, and we're guessing yeah. you're going to make $13 million next year, so why would we pay you 35 That's what Sam Amick says. Specifically, he cited a series of what he calls silent signals that was sent out by the 76ers in recent weeks um, that upset Harden, including a feeling the team was forcing him to test the open market before making an offer of any kind when it was assumed he would opt out. So, yeah, that's kind of tracks with what you said. that They wanted him to test the market to see exactly – what the market valued uh, James Harnett, and I think we saw the response. And and that's why he's taking discounted deals. But this is where it's getting interesting with James Harden is most teams, when they're put in this position, feel the pressure to make a move. Most of these teams feel pressure to, hey, we got to get something going fast, right? we got to make this. Look, he, we have a disgruntled guy. We need to move him. That is not Daryl Morey's MO. Daryl Morey held on to Ben Simmons forever. Yeah, that guy was suing the team. He got off, and they they just said, "Go home. We'll we'll deal with it." And then they were able to get James Harden out of it because they waited. It would not surprise me if they wait on this until they get a real deal. So the Clippers deal, which is what James Harden wants, James Harden wants to be basically get the the Seventy Sixers for scraps and some not great contracts give him to the Clippers, and then he'll go to the Clippers where he's a California guy anyway, and he'll be happy there, and he'll play with his friends, and they can all do load management, and they can all kind of screw around and not practice and not take basketball seriously and have fun on the court, which is what every basketball – not every, a lot of basketball players want to do. Yep. Especially later in your career when you're like, man, I've worked so hard. I've done all this. I don't care anymore. I, I don't need to practice, which you do, but <laughs> in their heads they don't. <laughs> and that's what he wants. I don't, I don't think Daryl Morey has any reason to do that. Because he goes, well, I'm going to take on bad contracts that are over one year. You're going to hurt me going a year forward to make you happy? And the question is, Daryl Morey apparently has a portrait of him and James Harden up at his house. I mean, like Those guys really are apparently very yeah, good friends. They are really close. So is he going to tell him, sorry, bud, it's more important for me to do the job better, and we're going to wait, and we're basically going to play hardball with Portland and think that Portland is going to blow it up before we do and try and offer them James Harden and picks and stuff to get Dame Lillard. Because we don't mm. want picks back for you. Because picks don't do anything for us. Because we have a fan base that we told them to trust the process and then gave them two playoff runs and then said, guys, let's trust the process again. They, that's why the picks don't matter as much in this trade. You have to give them talent back. They've, they've waited too long. Yeah, and the question is, does Dame Lillard want out? Does, does Dame Lillard want out of well, Portland? Do, does he want to go to Philly and not win a title there? Because yeah. he ain't going to win a title there, especially if they put Max in the deal. Yeah, if you if you want out, don't you want out to go to a title hey, contender? When, when, when he mentioned all those teams, did he mention Philly and playing with Embiid? Or is no. the thought that Embiid is soft and doesn't want to try in the playoffs? There was not one of the teams, I believe. No, it wasn't. Because no. he wants to play with guys that he feels are tough. Because he feels he, he is Miami tough. Heat. And Joel Embiid yeah. is not thought of as a tough player right now. It's, and it, it may be... Just because of this series, but when when I told you he was going to miss a game because he kept falling over on the court, and he missed two games, games. (laughs) I think the the thought around the league is, well, that's the softest guy I've ever seen. And now, that's silly because we we know that's not true, but at the same part, that was what felt was felt yeah. around was no, that was the reputation. It made him seem very yeah. soft. And if I want to win a championship and I don't want borrowed time, is this who I'm banking it on? No, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't do it either. That's why I wonder. I mean, I still think he needs to get out of Portland. He's a very loyal player, which is I, something uncommon. It's very, you know, you don't get that these days. I mean, you don't get guys that are extremely no. loyal. But to a fault, I think he may be being too loyal. Yeah. Well, That's I hurting think, his legacy. I, I think as a it's player. hurting. I think it's hurting Portland because they're not able to build a team with his contract. You're not able to really build around him. Uh, but I, this is also going to be really fun to watch in Summer League because if you're Portland, your your message to the coaching staff for Summer League is let Scoop put up 40 a night. Let him put up 40 in every game because the only way we're keeping Dame and making this work without having to give him up for nothing is to make it make, like, is make it like, around Scoop. Oh, no, no. Our young guys are not going to be a project. Yeah. These guys are ready to go right now. I agree with that. And so I think Scoot Henderson needs to go dominate Summer League. Now, whether he can or not, that's a different story. But it'll I think they're going to – I think he's getting a lot relation, of shots. Yeah, in the court of public opinion, it'll help you a lot. Yeah, and if, if Dame is out in Las Vegas watching Scoop play and he goes, okay, this guy's not three years away. 
He's and he, he can come. He it, can make an impact this year. And the reports are that Dame is open to if they are still in win now mode. Yeah. If they want to win now. He's open. And that's, he and that's the thing is, I think if if you tell him, let's see what Scoot Henderson is, and if he's better than any player we can go out and get for him, then why would we trade him if he's better than the guy we're getting just because the guy's older? Yeah, I gotta check out the Blazers' cap situation. Are they close to cap hit? I mean, it, well, cap so down? anytime you have a player out. around fifty million dollars, which well. is what Dame's at, yes, because yeah. half your salary cap is one guy. One, one, yeah. So once you add another couple of pieces, and and then you have like that Nurchich deal, and there's there's some other deals that are not great. They have some deals that are okay. They have to. They're trying to bring guys back in. Of course, they're one of the names in the Draymond Green conversation as well. Yeah. So the only way to for them to acquire a meaningful signature. Talent. Piece like that would be through the draft. Yes, That's because you're way. like a mid-level exception. So, yeah. and and no one's going to Portland to try and win one with Dame, because you'd rather go to Denver and win one with Jokic or go. And, and this is a thing I've realized, which is somewhat interesting. Where I was looking, trying to figure out one of the things with the Mavs, where you're like, when Kyrie's like, I want to go take all these meetings with everyone else. You're like, dude, I, there is something to be said if you're building your team around a foreign star, that there is just not the same unity with the foreign players being able to recruit talent to play with them as some of these other guys. And we've seen it with Joel Embiid's not able to do it. Mm. Jokic didn't really ever do it, and then they just kind of made it work. But there's none of their star talent. They drafted Jamal Murray. That's he, isn't, he didn't bring anybody else. Giannis is having trouble. Yeah. Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton could leave this year, and then it's Drew Holiday and Giannis trying to hold it together. It, there's just these guys that don't necessarily have that. Well, they haven't had the connections. These guys in the they're in right? AAU. In the they grow up in, yeah, they grow up yeah. together pretty much. Social media, they know each other. And then they have the same interest after the season yeah. as well. They're at the same club. They hang they're doing out the together same thing. in off season. So it's yeah. just a weird thing when you're looking at building these teams. You go, you get these generational talents, but recruiting wise, in that hey, we're one player away. Some of these guys are having a real hard time getting that one player to take less money or to play on the right team. And I think Dallas, that's one of the problems, is your best recruiter is the player, and Luka's not really bringing anybody in. Like, Luka's not making anybody want to come play with him, even though he's freaking Luka Doncic. That's a great point. I, I actually agree with you. Um, and you're right, I don't know if it's all necessarily the player's fault, even if they are active recruiters. It's just tougher when they don't have the foundation yeah. that the other players have. It's like, oh, I've been playing AAU with that guy since I was 14. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I mean? look, it's just <laughs> certain cultural aspects of yeah. youth. When you're trying to bond with somebody, hey, remember when we used to do this? And you go, no, I am from another country. Yeah, you get some other references that you throw it out <laughs> yeah, there. What, remember stuff. that TV show we used to watch? Yeah. Nope. Exactly. That band? Nope. Yeah. And, and like, there's just some of that stuff where it's just there's a there's a gap in it. And I've just noticed it on some of these teams where you have guys where you go, why can that guy not get, like, why are they having more trouble where LeBron can pull somebody every season and Kyrie and Kevin Durant, all these guys, everybody wants to play with them. And then, certain, and then these certain teams are just having real trouble even keeping guys. Like Milwaukee may lose two starters, and it's not for lack of them wanting to pay. Yeah, and and the I know people are bringing it up about Wimby. Could he be that much of a generational talent that he makes San Antonio a spot? Well, and where that's. Free agents would want to come at well, traditionally. Lamarcus Aldridge is the biggest free agent. This there was, they but that was, him. but that was also Pop. A lot of guys wanted to play for Pop, and so you play with Tim. But Pop was kind of recruiting him as well. And that would help out because they go, "Oh, this is a coach that I want to be coached." I by. know, but I'm saying I still haven't really been able to get a ton. They don't no, need no, no. They don't need him either. By the no, way, it's they, not like yeah. they need it. They don't, they don't build that way. No, no. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's yeah. And but that was one of the things talking about women Yama where they were like, "Oh, guys are going to want to come play with him." Like. I'm not sure it's the same way you think it's going to be. It's not necessarily all about the generational talent. You spend so much time with these guys on the road, mm-hmm. it, it, you'd want to do it with your friend. If you had a choice to go to work with your friend every every year and you'd make five, you know, 3000 less dollars a year to do that, you'd be like, "Yeah, you know, I'll take a little pay cut, 5 grand less a year." You know, I can maybe can make that up in some other ways, but also work's going to be fun every day. Quality of life, versus man. Versus it's it's yeah. that, and I get it for some of these players to take a little bit less money to play with their friends, and it's it's just a weird thing you notice. And so with the Spurs and women Yama, that is a thing you have to monitor. Now, the Spurs have never been that team to build that way, so it's a better fit, but it's an interesting it's interesting as you go into free agency and you're looking at teams like Philadelphia in the situation they're in and Milwaukee in the situation they're in, that these guys have stars that are not necessarily as used to as used to being able to be recruiters themselves. Yeah. 
Um, Coach Meyer says, coached college baseball for 10 years. By far, our players were our best recruiters. Our best players were recruited by his buddies. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's like that in, for Texas football, too. I mean, your best – because for, for, for football like, and you know college football, I think it's because they don't have the same rules that apply to players. A player can make – there's no dead period. There's no NCAA rule that says when I can call it. But once I get a number of a player that wants to be recruited, I can recruit him you know, via third party. All I want to, right? The coach has to tell me, "Hey, Rod, man, can you call a uh, boy and just tell him, hey, man, that you know, I, hey, I really want him here. Yeah. Could you break it down for him? Let him know exactly what I yeah. want. I want the message that I would like to present to him. Oh yeah, coach, I got that. And they can go slide into the DMs and they can hang out. So yeah, your players are always your best recruiters, and they are the ones that are giving testimony about the program, about what's going to happen, and their opinion is a lot more." trustworthy. It's a lot more trust of opinion from a player yeah. to tell me about the organization and what's going on and how cool the coaches are and if they're not cool than a coach saying, hey man, we got, you know, we got the best resources and, you know, we have these uh, different aspects, uh, concepts that are going to weaponize you and your skill set. Um, that's different than somebody telling you about the quality of life you're going to be yeah. living as a player, which a player can is better suited to do. I mean, but that's a coach calls you up. The coach isn't going to go, oh man, there's this restaurant. I got to tell you this restaurant. Oh man, dude, no, we're yeah. going to be having, dude, I, dude, we got a place. Dude, there's a house down the street that's for sale, man. We'll move you in that house. No. We'll be down the street. We'll be playing video games. Dude, Call of Duty every night. Fortnite. <laughs> we'll be playing that, dude. We'll be doing yeah. that. Like, that's a difference of something to look forward to yep. other than, hey, man, we're going to pass you the ball. <laughs> no, no. I totally <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. So it's just an interesting thing looking at with some of these teams trying to build. It's a different way because we've seen it where it's the conversation on one end is when's the next American-born MVP? Because the last three, the last five years have been foreign players as MVP. It, it, I think the one job was probably the one that had the best shot at it. Yeah. And now I wouldn't say he's got a shot in the next few years unless no. he gets mature. He's not play enough games. Yeah, not next year. It definitely <laughs> happened next year, yeah. But this so, so when you take that side of it and then you flip to the other side of the conversation of, well, yeah, but building a team with them may be more difficult as well because they may not be able to get you the recruiting to get you those guys to come back. And we'll see it with Denver. Mike Malone is putting out his best pitch. Or sorry, Michael Malone is putting out his best pitch to <laughs> keep Bruce Brown. But Bruce Brown, if you're talking about a LeBron team, Bruce Brown probably stays and go. They goes, hey man, you got to keep him in here. But you don't have that necessarily with Jokic. So if he goes out and goes, no, I'm going to go get the money. I want a bigger role. I'm going to go get the money. And mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily have that pitch from the team yep. to keep him as much. And from a next level star player, and that's where it's just interesting in this off season to look at of a thing I hadn't even really noticed before, but it's kind of a trend with a lot of these teams right now. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and I, I totally agree with it. Um, all right, a uh, little NBA discussion there. We'll come back to it, of course, because uh, we're like on the right on the verge of NBA free agency, about 30 minutes away from NBA free agency officially starting. And when it does start, it'll be coming, all right, fast and furious. Uh, so we'll make sure we keep you abreast of all the updates there. But before we do that, uh, we'll get back to college uh, sports because the Georgia Bulldogs have a lot to answer um, uh, when it comes to an article that was written by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about some of the uh, very mm, controversial uh, happenings there at Georgia. We'll talk about that. Uh, also, we'll get into a Bob Stoops piece of audio where he's stepping up and uh, taking up for Oklahoma. There is a narrative developing about Oklahoma that he is trying uh, to refute. We'll also get into the SEC, anonymous SEC coach calling out the hire of Bobby Petrino for the Aggies. So all that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful on the horn. everything what you thought and what you think now I know I do what's right I let the sleeping dogs lie every time I fall down I once again feel the cold ground get up leave it and I go on trying and let the sleeping dogs lie I right, welcome back 
the Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn, 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick the Idillionaire takes songs and jams from various artists and groups, very talented human beings, who you have a chance to see live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Jeff Plankenhorn, and he's playing Saturday night at Saxon Pub. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. I also know what that is, and I feel cool. You want to feel cool, keep listening to Patrick. He always gives you uh, the 411 on where the uh, the best bands are going to be playing, all the cool spots, and you can sound really cool in front of all your friends, even though, you know, like me, you really don't know all that stuff, but Patrick keeps you up to date on all of it. So uh, thanks, Tim, for all his hard work. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can reach out to us on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. You also can hit us up via Twitter. Uh, Patrick's at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. Uh, hard to still on vacation. As a matter of fact, we'll all be on vacation. We're off Monday and Tuesday, so happy 4th of July in case I don't say it. No, it's a little premature, very premature, but we won't talk to you guys before, so it's kind of our 4th of July show, so hope everybody out there has a great 4th of July weekend. Hope you're getting some extra time off. Um, and if you're not, um, hey, hopefully you still have a great holiday week and holiday weekend. Okay, Let's get to uh, this Bob Stoop sound first, and then we'll get to the, the, the story about Georgia, which is a very troubling, disturbing story. We'll get to that. Uh, but first, uh, this is Bob Stoops. He was on a uh, radio show, sports radio show, and he was addressing the narrative that is starting to develop. And I believe it was Colin Cowherd who first had this take, and people have kind of take the, taken the take and ran with it, uh, the take that... Not only is Oklahoma on the decline, and they will decline, but they could decline so fast uh, and so dramatically, in fact, they could become Nebraska. Um, He had a retort to that narrative. Here is Bob Stoops. Those people are, you know, aren't, you know, thinking properly. Where's Nebraska located? I heard Colin Coward talking about it because of recruiting. And he said, well, Oklahoma in state, we only signed three or four guys. Well, we're, we're, we're not just Oklahoma. All the All right. way down into Dallas is home territory for us, as much as it is anybody else. And that's what they're not taking into account. Nebraska geographically is removed, uh, you know, a, a good ways from, from any real strong, fertile recruiting area. We're not. And, and that's a, that's a big difference. And, uh, you know, we, I, I, we, we fit in the SEC perfectly, and I believe it's going to help us recruit. And, uh, you know, I, I believe we'll handle it just fine. And you can't compare it to, to you know, that's, it's the offseason. They're just filling up airtime. Uh, okay, so shout out to the ref. Uh, that's at KREF Sports Homer Sooner fans, uh, 94-7 and 1400 up there in uh, – in Oklahoma, so shout out to them. And I listen. I I'm not any sooner, you know, sympathizer. Um, and I do think there will be. I brought this up yesterday. I've been talking about this for a while. What are the odds? I brought it up yesterday in regards to Texas baseball, and I brought it up probably a couple of weeks ago in regards to Oklahoma. But what are the odds they hire three Hall of Fame coaches in a row? and all three of them rise to top 10, top five in their profession within the first three years on the job. That's what happened with Bob Stoops, national title in his second year. So happened with Lincoln Riley when he started producing Heisman finalists after Heisman finalists and number one overall pick, uh, multiple number one overall picks at the quarterback position. He kind of became a made man. They, they had made man status second year at Oklahoma. Even Brent Venables is, I don't think he's going to be a trash coach or anything like that, but what are the odds of him becoming that, becoming Hall of Fame-worthy, made man status in his second or third year? It's just unlikely. Just the odds and probabilities are against him just because the Steelers are the only example we can think of where you had three Hall of Fame coaches hired in a row. You go Noel, Cower, and Tomlin. It's just not a lot of them. It's very few. I'm sure Ohio State actually has done a really good job. They're close in that. They, but it's just in the modern era to have you know three hires like that. We were talking about Texas baseball and Coach Pierce. How Coach Pierce done a, a damn good job. But the standard at Texas base for Texas baseball is so high that they've had two Hall of Fame coaches in a row who are considered goats or goat worthy in uh, their professions. And is David Pierce going to be that? Because if he's not, then Longhorn baseball fans are going to be disappointed. And is that fair? Nope. But that is the standard. And so for Oklahoma, 
I I do think yeah that could be some you know I don't know if the, some drop off from what they've had but look how dominant they've been. I mean you're talking about fourteen Big Twelve titles in football. I'm not sure exactly what the it, it's long that number. It's cartoonish. And he's right about Dallas. I, I'll give you this. I gave you this stat uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'll give it to you again. You look at in NFL players drafted since twenty twenty, and you go look at. Uh, NFL players drafted by states since 2020. There are only four states that have had more players drafted um, since 2020 than the DFW area. That's it. It's just Florida, Texas, California, and Georgia. That's it. DFW, just the DFW area would be fifth in players drafted if it was its own state. <laughs> yeah. And I know, obviously, the Texas thing throws into that, so don't get real, obviously, it's the point of the stats. Uh, but, yeah, that the DFW area, right now, they are they're king of football in this state, even when it comes to high school football and, you know, even when it comes to producing uh, talent like that. I'm not going uh, to lie. I'm an H-Town guy, so I would always argue hey, H-Town may have better overall talent and Dallas has DFW has better teams. Uh, now Dallas got the teams and the talent. They got both. H Town still does pretty good. H Town would still be in the top ten of if you want to consider it. They basically states that produce the most NFL talent since twenty twenty. Houston and Dallas are in the top ten. <laughs> That's how much talent Houston and Dallas are producing. So yeah, that, there's enough of it there. Yeah, CB did want to make sure he, he got it accurate. They have 14 Big 12 titles since 2000. Yes, a lot. Exactly. So I, I do wonder, you know, for Bob Stoops, I think he's got a good point that maybe that's why they don't have a precipitous drop off. But like I said, well, the odds of them hiring three of those guys in a row. Unless Bob Stoops plan on coming back to save the program, which he might. He might. I, I will say it also depends on what you what your thought of it tailing off and being Nebraska. Because Nebraska, in reality, hasn't been a joke of a program except for like five years. They also weren't at the pinnacle of their program was 25 years ago in the mid-90s when they won three titles, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when Nebraska was Nebraska. They won three titles yeah, in the Nebraska. mid-90s. Yeah. And that's piece. Then they were an okay team and had some down years, had some up years, but they had a bunch of 10-win seasons yeah. in between. And then it was just the last five years have been all losing seasons and bad. They won a Big Twelve title like early on, like so. I, like when team. you when you put them in that category, you go, yeah, Oklahoma could have a few down years, but Nebraska could be back in two or three years and be back to a ten win team again. And then I, I so I get it, I, I get it. I, I just don't think it's. I get what the the thought of it is, but I think for Oklahoma, first of all, Oklahoma didn't win three national titles, so they were not at the pinnacle that how far Nebraska had to fall. No, but Oklahoma's probably considered a better football program than Nebraska. Oh, no, no. They've been more consistent for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that thing is, it's all about those peaks and valleys. I think Oklahoma will, has a much better shot to stay as the relevant, good program, but not necessarily competing for the national championships every year mm-hmm. than Nebraska, where they're, they set their standard of, well, we're a national championship team in the mid 90s, and then they could never match it because they just. You, you keep firing coaches. I, I love Matt Rule. I'm a big Matt Rule fan, as you guys know. I love Matt Rule. I do think if somebody can bring it back, Matt Rule could end up being the guy. But I, I, I will admit for Nebraska, because they do not have a fertile recruiting ground to you know to rely on, yeah. it does hurt them because they they have to rely kind of strictly on transfer portal now in the NIL. And I think they do okay on the NIL uh, and the transfer portal, but they just don't have a natural recruiting base. It does help to be. That's why Georgia Georgia has surpassed uh, California, you guys, as the third most fertile football state in America. Most people don't even know that. Most people think, most people think oh, man, it's Texas, it's Florida and California, top three dogs. It no, Nope. It's Texas, Florida, and Georgia, then California. Georgia is blowing up when it comes to football talent. And a lot of it is about population growth. It is. A lot of it is. You can go track it. You can go track the trends of population. That's why a lot of people are moving to Texas. Texas continues to thrive in the suburbs and all that. You can track the population growth of Central Texas and also why Central Texas football now can compete at state level. Yeah. Compete with some Houston's and some Dallas schools now because of the population growth. Pretty much, you want to track football 
fertile football recruiting grounds, go track population growth. Go track it. And the South has been blowing up in this country in terms of population growth. And that's also why the football is blown up there. People are leaving California, unfortunately. And I think a lot of that also affects their talent pool for football. It's a macro thing that it's a very small micro thing that connects to a much larger macro thing. But that's that's the big thing about Georgia. Georgia's always got some of the fastest growing communities in this country. So does Texas. That usually ends up tracking right to fertile football recruiting grounds. You need communities that are blowing up, that are thriving. And boom, you can go look at it. So I uh, yeah, I don't know where Nebraska gets that. Ohio's got one. Michigan's, you know, they got that. They got their own kind of built in within their state. Um, and then that's Florida. And then really, the, from, from Texas all the way to Florida, all those states are fertile recruiting grounds. Mississippi is, is huge. <laughs> Mississippi is always, per capita, it's always in the top five in producing NFL talent. And Alabama, the state too. So uh, that's why I wonder about Nebraska geographically. Um, where did they get that from? Um, so Texter here uh, says, I live seven miles from Norman, Oklahoma, um, and Brent is a Bob Stoops hire, and he doesn't want to see him fail after the other guy that he handpicked bailed on him. It's a good point. Bailed on Oklahoma. Yeah, because Lincoln Riley was handpicked, and that was a good pick. <laughs> that was a good pick. But, yeah, I guess ultimately he decided that he, want, he could reach his ceiling. He couldn't reach his ceiling at Oklahoma. Uh, and maybe that is a concern. For Oklahoma fans, is that you know Bob Stoops championship was you know early in his tenure and then you know kept getting close but no cigar and same thing with Lincoln Riley kept getting close and couldn't couldn't you know really close the deal and then Lincoln Riley himself says you know I got to go somewhere else to help me become a championship coach to win a national title I'm good enough I'm being basically my I have a ceiling here at Oklahoma and I don't have that ceiling at USC. So, yeah, we'll get, in, we'll get into some more, obviously, discussion about the conference when we talk some uh, Texas football. But really quick, let's get into this Atlanta Journal-Constitution Journal article about Georgia really quickly. So they claim they found that 11 players during smart seven seasons as a head coach had been retained in the program after women had made abuse allegations against them to either local police or to the university. The report Included details about specific incidents, including one in 2022 in which a recruit wound up under investigation for sexual assault during a visit after breaking curfew and getting drunk. He was 16 at the time. That player was not charged and is set to be a freshman at Georgia. Um, In another instance, the newspaper found Georgia staffer Brian Gant was in the room in 2021 when police interviewed former Bulldogs receiver George Pickens about an allegation of sexual assault made against linebacker Adam Anderson by a woman who said that she passed out drunk and awoke as Anderson was assaulting her, sexually assaulting her, without consent. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution also claims friends of the accuser had told the police Pickens had implicated Anderson, but with his parents and the staff are in the room. Um, according to court records, Pickens declined to answer questions. Um, also, it says, uh, the, though the school's statement to the newspaper says the school applies the same disciplinary processes to athletes as regular students, that it cooperates fully with the law enforcement and equal opportunity office and the office of student conduct. Whenever an allegation of sexual misconduct is made uh, against an athlete, the reporting paints a detailed picture of how some of the uh, football players use their resources to avoid uh, punishment or avoid any consequence. That's basically what the Atlanta journal constitution is claiming. Um, They also claim here that according to reports from the journal constitution, Gantt, the previous uh, guy that I mentioned, who is the staffer that works for Georgia. He's also a lawyer they found. um, And he, he's been on the scene a lot for these things. Gantt has been in contact with court officials on 82 separate legal matters involving players between 2016 and 2023. So he's the guy, he's the guy you call, when the fit hits the shan. Texas had one of them when I was on the Fort Acres. I won't say who it is now because I don't want to disrespect that man. Um, but he actually, it was his job. So I don't know. I feel like people may think like he was up to something shady if I bring it up. But I mean, Texas had that guy. You, Mac Brown doesn't get the call. 
when multiple guys go to jail that night <laughs> because they were wilding out on 6th Street. No. That guy's to go up the chain of command. Matt gets to sleep in until, it, until he hears how – and does it, if, if it's serious enough, then after a call is made to this guy, the fixer, right? What's that character in Pulp Fiction? What's his – yeah. <laughs> the wolf? The wolf. Yes. Every program has a wolf. Everybody, every program's got that guy. This seems to be that guy. Texas had that guy when I was in school, too. You would call him or somebody would get in touch with him and say, hey, wolf. Three guys, man. I think they got arrested. That cops took him, and that was it. And then the wolf would be like, "Say no more. I got it." He wouldn't even listen to the names. You'd be like, "You want the names? I got it." The wolf, he already knows. He's gonna make a call, you know. And then, boom. Hopefully, he gets handled behind the scenes. If not, if it's a big issue, something serious, then the wolf has to make the call to the head coach. Like, hey, man, it's gonna be serious. Need the heads up on this one. But usually, the wolf would handle it, and then the coach would hear about it, you know, the next day or something like that. So that's what this guy is. Gann has been in contact with court officials on 82 separate legal matters involving players between 2016 and 2023. Gann, who previously worked as a legal assistant at an Athens law firm, according to his official biography uh, on George's website. He's worked with the program since Mark Richt has been there. This is the guy that knows where the bodies are buried. This guy, he knows. They've been out ever upset this dude. This guy's going to be paid by Georgia till he dies. <laughs> Which, if he don't keep his mouth shut. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, but no, he, this guy knows all the dirt is. So, yeah, uh, that's apparently there's some dirt uh, that Georgia has to deal with during their championship dynastic run. I mean, the truth is, I hate to say it, I believe all, if you go on a dynastic run of any kind in sports, especially in the college levels, it's rare when you don't have some skeletons. Um, in that, and these look like to be the worst if they're of the sexual assault nature and abuse against women. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I'm sure there'll be more reporting on it, more details coming out. I'm sure Georgia will have a response to that, but that's the latest. All right, we come back. We'll get into off the record on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful Nine Horn. DD Mega Doo Doo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, man. Cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for another edition of Off of the Record. We haven't really updated this story in a little while because I was figuring how we had our fun with it. This thing was going to go away. We continue to get some updates on Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and the potential fight slash cage match that they're going to have. Slash international incident. Slash international incident, whatever it's going to be. Um, how about this? I, I cannot believe this is, this is real. Oh, man. And they've double confirmed it, by the way, because nobody could believe it was real. Shout to, uh, to CB. He sent it to me, but it's on TMZ Sports. Um, <laughs> that Okay, so apparently there was a rumor, and I think the rumor has been squashed. Uh, the rumor that uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk were somebody had contacted them from the uh, Italian government about fighting at the Coliseum. <laughs> uh, the Ministry of Culture's office uh, said there's been no formal contact from the ministry, nor any written documents. So that's how crazy this, uh, this fight, the rumors are getting about this fight. You had Dana White say it would, it would be the biggest box office fight in combat history. He just threw that out there. And he is saying that he also said that they both he talked to both of them separately. And then both men said they want to fight, that they're on board. They both agreed they're serious. This is not a joke or some PR stunt. So we shall see. I don't this, know where the fight is going to take place. It's just going to be hilarious when neither one of them shows up. They're training right now. No, I know, but it's, you know, that, you know, when it's like in the schoolyard and you're like, oh, I will fight. I'll do it. And then the day comes, and you're like, <laughs> Well, you know, all right, my mom said, though, if I get another fight, they're going to send me, like, they're going to probably send me to prison. Like, not even juvie, like prison, prison, because I'm so dangerous, so I can't fight. Oh, man. Yeah, they've been, uh, apparently, Elon Musk has been training uh, both him and Zuckerberg 
with different MMA fighters. So yeah, if you're an MMA fighter, you oh, are saying, "Please let me into this money train." That oh is, yeah, this is too. Oh, yeah, exactly. you got me. Oh, what a good hold. Oh, <laughs> oh, I think you you tore all my muscles. Can I have two two billion dollars, please? Uh, that's actually. I wonder what the training fee would be. Like, I man, I'll train you. I'll train you. You know, to the fight. Yeah, I'll be your, yeah. I wonder what that fee would be. A couple of million dollars. To train I, you, I'll never fight again. Can I have a, just a billion? It won't hurt you. I'm just down with that. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt him at all. If you can, how about this? Instead of if you can guarantee me a win, you get a billion. No. All right? But if you if I don't win, all you get is a million. That's the deal I'd make. No, like, I trade yeah. them. I trade them because I'd be like, so so if you lose, I get a million. All right, yeah. Punch with your eyes closed. <laughs> be hilarious. You win either way. You get a million. But if he wins, you get a billion. So yeah. then you'd really be into it. Yeah. So Elon might want to incentivize you that way. <laughs> you'd be really trading. You're getting them up in the middle of the night like, hey, man, we're doing two a days. We're training. Oh, I'm going to put them out there chasing chickens. I'd give them the Rocky workout. Uh, that would be the Rocky workout. Which one? Which Rocky, though? We're talking about Rocky Four. Well, he's training in By the way, can we the, get a video woods, of which one, which one of them is Rocky and which one of them is Dolph Lundgren and, and – uh, which one of them has got the science and the computers? Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's Drago. That's Drago. We, Drago so we need, we need to have one. Of, one of them's got to have Drago with the technology, and the other one's got to be running up the steps. Oh, uh, so one goes with the like the Rocky one with the all yeah. natural approach. He was like training in the woods with like logs and chopping down trees, yeah. and, and like hauling tractors and stuff. And then you had Drago in the. He was in the lab. Since yes. you're in a lab, like it, literally, and they were like had tubes and stuff on him and all these wires on him. He's like training with all these technologically advanced devices. Hey, turns out. All natural one, man. Well, I mean, he did kill a guy first that went all natural. So, <laughs> well, no, Rocky won. I know, but Apollo Cruz, Apollo Creed dies in the beginning of he that died. movie. But I think that they also hinted, they implied that Drago was doing steroids. Yeah. Was I tripping in that? Anybody? Did I, did no, I, did I, I think just, they were implying I it. That? Also, it was an exhibition. The fight didn't matter. That is and true. And they didn't stop it. Drago only, yeah, you're right, because it was in uh, the Russia. That's why it was an exhibition, right? No, no, the first one was the one with James Brown where Apollo Creed dies. No, that was a matter of the one to fight the rematch was in Russia. The rematch was in Russia, but yeah. that was a real fight, I think. But it was the the one where Apollo Creed dies is an exhibition fight. I think you're correct about that. No, I know I'm correct about it yeah. because it's one of the most unexplainable movie deaths you will ever see. It's like, you didn't throw in the towel for an exhibition? Y'all didn't jump in the ring to stop the fight in an exhibition? You just let your your no, old boy? Nobody assumed that Drago was going to be that brutal. He was gonna, nobody knew he was going to be that good. No, I know, but I'm saying when when the fight was over and that like minute long where he's just punching a guy in the head who won't go down. By the way, Apollo Creed, great legs. That dude didn't go down. No, I agree with you. The, definitely the dude should have threw in the towel. I don't know what he was thinking. The ball headed uh, trainer, black trainer. I don't know what you think. You just killed yeah. Apollo Creed. But you you have to understand in the Rocky world, we're getting way too deep into this. In the Rocky world, Apollo Creed is basically like Muhammad Ali. Like he's like the greatest yes, fighter no. of all time. Yeah. In the rock in that in that world. Yeah. Like, do your own research. Trust me, he's like the greatest fighter. Go look at the Creed movies. They talk about that kind of stuff. Like he's like considered like elite and Rocky was really the uh, I think he had like two losses three losses in his whole career yeah he had like Rocky some other dude and Drago killed him in the exhibition, <laughs> the exhibition. <laughs> like his third loss was uh. death he loves like <laughs> that's how bad it was so I think they were just, everybody assumed like it was a joke like yeah. it, it, that's why he came out with back. James Brown he's coming back yeah it was like oh uh. man he just he just he just oh it's, it's rope and dope man he's, he's just uh, you know he's just fooling the dude Lord. and then he ends up dying um alright there you go um yeah, someone said they they didn't imply that he did steroids. They showed him sticking needles in his arm in the movie. Yeah, that's, that 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 to me implies. Well, was, I think he's saying they didn't imply it. They just straight up said it. They said so. They, so they they said, oh, he said yeah. they said they make it obvious yeah. that he did. Okay, yeah. Sorry. All right. Thank you, Texter, for uh, your great memory there. All right, we got to get to the break. <laughs> we talked way too I much. Free about, agency starting. Huh? Let's get to the break. That is true. We'll have updates about the NBA free agency frenzy on the other side. Uh, right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful nine horn.